please turn with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 18. We're starting a new series today uh, called We Preach Christ. And uh, for the next few weeks, just in this month probably, uh, we're just going to look at uh, the central uh, person of our faith, Jesus Christ. And so I just want to read a few verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. (laughs) Anybody ever felt frustrated? Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Amen. I I want to talk about Jesus today. You know, it's just an amazing thing. You know, I I have a burden as a pastor that the church should know what they believe about Jesus, that the church should understand who Jesus Christ is and what he's done on the cross, that we, uh, you know, we're in danger today, I think, you know, I don't want to be too kind of like uh, prophetic, kind of like, I want to stand there. Um, I, I, I just think that we need to be sure today what we understand and believe about Jesus Christ. Because there is a bone of contention about it. People are lackadaisical. People are coming into the faith for a warm experience. We have to come into the faith because we believe in Christ. We have to come into faith because Jesus Christ died on a cross for us. And uh, that's my starting place today in this little series, We Preach Christ Crucified. You see, that great theme is the thing that sets Christianity apart in all the face of the world. Because we preach what Jesus has done. Religion says, if you do this, then you will find a way to God. Christianity says, there's nothing you can do. Jesus has already done it. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He's our rescuer. He's the one who's come for us. And so I want you to understand today, the message that you hold on to, the message of being a disciple of Jesus is not a, hey, Jesus is going to make my life great. That's a side effect, friends. The message is Jesus Christ died for sinners and I'm a sinner. The message is Jesus Christ rescued me. The message is Jesus Christ hung on a cross for the sins of the world. And so we need to put that centrally into our hearts and into our lives. And it's always been a problem to the world. Paul says it, it's a stumbling block to the Jews because the Jews wanted a Messiah who was powerful. The Jews wanted a Messiah who would do what they wanted. Isn't it amazing that we always want a God who will do what we want? That hasn't changed, has it? We always want a God who'll work out the things we want to. They were looking for a Messiah who would overthrow the Romans, who would break off the shackles of, of, of tyranny and give them the life they wanted. That's what they were looking for. And so when Jesus came and died on a cross, put there by Jews, they couldn't accept him because they just saw him as someone who was uh, not powerful enough to be the Messiah. The, the, the Greeks, the Gentiles, the rest of the world, it's foolishness to them. How can anyone dying on a cross bring healing and salvation? salvation to the world. But there is another group, friends. It's called those who believe. Those who believe. 
To those who believe, the message of the cross is the wisdom and power of God. Come on. That's what we're about today. See, that's what we've got to understand today. For us who believe, the cross is about the wisdom and power of God. Jesus Christ crucified, the Son of God, God incarnate, coming to this world and taking on the form of a man and being nailed to a Roman tree is the most powerful thing in the world. And I want you to understand it today. I want you to grasp it today. I want it to be the compass, the north point of your life that says, this is what my Christian life is about. It's about serving and following the Savior, the one who died for me. It's not about what Jesus can do for me. He's already done more than enough, friends. If Jesus did nothing for any of us, if he answered none of our prayers, he would still be the Savior of the world. And so we have to understand that our faith is not about what he will do for us. Our faith is about what he's done. And yes, he does answer prayer. Praise the Lord. But friends, if he chose not to answer a prayer, he's not being unfaithful to his word. He's already done enough for us. Oh, not so sure, are we? See, here's the truth, friends. We need to fight and stand for everything that God has done for us. We need to say, you know what, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, his blood, and his righteousness. And I want to stir that up in you this morning. I want you to focus on that because we've been called to follow the power and the wisdom of God. And that's the heart of our message. It's the offense of our message. It's what people find unreasonable about Christians. It's why Christians are persecuted all over the world. Because we're not saying, yes, you can work out your salvation by yourself. We're saying, no, none of us can work it out. See, see, it's great, isn't it? If you're a disciplined person, you can say, well, I'm going to punish myself and I'm going to listen and I'm going to follow all the commandments and I'm going to walk the pilgrimages and I'm going to fast three times a week and I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to earn myself to, to paradise. Men love that because it appeals to something in us. Because we can f- make our own way into heaven. But the Bible says none of us can make our own way. That offends people because we don't like the position of being lost, do we? We don't like it that actually we can do nothing to change our position. We don't like it that actually we can make ourselves good enough. The Bible says even our righteous acts are like filthy rags. That's something, isn't it? We don't like to talk like this nowadays, do we? We don't like to proclaim it. We want to say, well, it's it's all okay. But actually the Bible teaches us that sin is still sin. That we are all sinners in need of a saviour. That none of us has lived a good enough life. It's hard to believe that, isn't it, when you look around the room. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Because we all look so great. We preach Christ crucified. And I want you to hold on to that to understand that. I want you to put it in your life. Because you know what? People are wanting to say that the cross is not relevant to people today. People will always be trained. It's foolishness. I don't understand it. But to us who believe, it's the power of God. What does the cross stand for today? I just got a few things I want to bring up. First of all, the cross takes away our sin. Amen. Anybody sinful in the house? Anybody need something to take away your sin today? The cross takes it away. The message of the cross brings it about. 1 Peter 2, 24. He himself bore our sins 
in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Friends, the first and foremost meaning of that is that your sins have been taken away on the cross. Wow, what an amazing truth. What an amazing thing that I can be called a son of God today because his wounds on the cross have paid the price for me. See, we need to understand this language. You don't very often talk about it. We used to sing a lot more about redemption. You know, that's what I love about that song we just sung, redemption. He's a rescuer. He's brought us back. He's paid the price for us. And so we need to understand that Jesus doesn't call us to follow him because he's some trendy teacher who has a nice alternative lifestyle for us. He calls us to follow him because he gave his life on the cross and he is the way, the truth, the life. And so we come this morning and we say, he bore my sins. That's the outrageous love of God. The only way sin could be removed from our lives was by sacrifice. Do you know that? It's the only way. See, sin can't be taken from your life just by you being a little bit better or by trying harder. There had to be sacrifice. Because the Bible tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Isn't that an amazing thing? See, sometimes we take sin very lightly, but it costs Jesus his death to deal with our sin. Sometimes we, we, we rely so much on the grace of God, but it costs Jesus outrageously to bring grace to our lives. And so we live in the overflow of that benefit for us. We need to recognize that uh, the message of the cross is the perfect son of God coming and offering himself for the sins of the world. That's the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is people have to pay the penalty for their sin. There has to be bloodshed. But they can't stop sinning. Anybody know what that feels like? So I will make a way for them. I will offer myself in perfect sacrifice for their sin. They use the analogy of the judge in the courtroom handing out the fine and then coming down from the court bench and paying the fine himself. It's a bit of an imperfect analogy, but it, but it shows the grace and mercy of God, that God came and paid the price for our sin. And so when we say he's our rescuer, that's what we mean. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's why when we come to communion and we take these emblems, the bread and the wine, it's reminding us that it was his blood that paid the penalty for my sin. It was his body that was broken instead of mine. He became my redemption. He bought me back. See, that's why we worship today. That's why we sing praises today. That's why we draw close. That's why we seek to follow him. Because his cross changed our sin and took it away. Number two, the cross reconciles us to God. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. We preach Christ crucified because it's through his shed blood that we have peace with God. Isn't that amazing? 
We have peace. Not only have we been forgiven, but we have peace. You see, those two things are the, same, are, are, are the different sides of the same coin. We need peace with God to enjoy forgiveness. See, we need peace with God. And I love that because actually God calls us his sons and daughters. Isn't that an amazing thing? So that today we come right into his presence and we enjoy peace with him. I don't know about you, but there are days when I come and I have to come and find peace with God again. I have to come and say, Lord, I know I failed you. Lord, I know I've been bad. Lord, I know I even, even my, I've even disappointed myself. You ever disappointed yourself? Never mind anybody else. I thought I, was, I thought I wasn't going to do that. I thought I was past that. I thought I was more mature than that. I thought I was more gracious than that. I thought I was more merciful than that. That's just to drive to work, friends. <laughs> but I come into that presence of God and I just know. And I have peace with God. You see, the Bible says nothing will separate us from the love of God. Not worry. Not persecution. Not hardship. Not trouble. Nothing can separate us from the peace of God. Why? Because Jesus has joined us together. He's reconciled us. And I, but sometimes I find myself saying to God, I don't know why you want to talk to me today. And God says, I'm always here to talk to you. We're at peace, you and me, because of what my son has done on the cross. You're welcome in my presence anytime because that's what Jesus has made the way for you to do. And so we come and enjoy the presence of God. The cross removes the penalty of our sin, but it also restores us to God the Father. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Anybody need to remind yourself of that verse today? He doesn't count your sin against you. Oh, friends, you know, people still will. Even sometimes we still will. Sometimes the biggest problem of me getting to God is me. It's never him. It's I've got to stop counting my sin against me and accept that God loves me, even though I'm flawed and a failure. Even though I'm broken, as we heard Ella talk about. Even though stuff in my life has has not worked out the way I wanted it to. It's the grace of God. We've been restored into relationship. Biblical word for this is justified. It's a legal term. It doesn't just mean that we've been uh, let off. It means that we've been declared innocent. See, that's something else, isn't it? See, I know I'm guilty, but God says I'm free from any charge. What an amazing grace this is. I I know that I've done wrong, but God says you're you're set free from that because of what Jesus has done. That's what the cross has done for me. That's why I can come into this place this morning and lift my hands and praise God. Is it because I'm a good person? Is it because I'm better than all the sinners out there? No, friends. It's just because I'm a sinner saved by grace. It's just because I know I'm just like everybody else. But I have hope in what Jesus has done on the cross. He's reconciled me to God the Father. I'm at peace with God. I don't have to come in fear and trembling before a God who sits in judgment. I come in peace today and I approach him boldly. What an amazing truth that is. See, I think sometimes we take these truths for granted. I think sometimes we've forgotten the power of the cross. I think sometimes in our complicated lives today, we overlook the fact that the cross of Jesus cleanses us. We used to sing some of these old simple Pentecostal hymns that declare the truth 
just more and more. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fact I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's the cross today. We preach Christ crucified. Listen, there are so many benefits to following Jesus. But it starts at the cross. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart rolled away. See, see, unless you come to the cross of Jesus, you're going to find it very hard to follow Jesus. Unless you come to the cross of Jesus, you follow the idea of being a Christian. But when you come to the cross, you have to bow the knee and acknowledge that Jesus died for you. That it was his blood that bore your sin. That it was his blood that reconciled you to God. We come to the cross today. We preach Christ crucified and lifted up. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We're reconciled today. The message of the cross is peace with God. Number three, the cross demonstrates God's love for us. Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, we know this stuff, isn't it? But it's good to remind ourselves today. God loves you. What a great point. God loves you. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. God loves you. That's his starting point. He demonstrated it. You know, people today say, well, if God loved me, why has this happened? If God loves me, what, what's going on here? If God loves me, why has this changed? Friends, we do not take a measure of God's love by what happens in our lives. Let's face it, that changes in our own human relationships. We find ourselves loving people less because things have changed, don't we? But the Bible says God demonstrates his love for us in sending his son to die on a cross. Wow. To die for people who didn't want him. To die for people who say that he's foolish to try and do it that way. To die for people who say that he's not impressive enough, this Jewish carpenter. To die for people who say, I don't believe in God. He still sent them to die for them. That's love. What an incredible love God shows. And so today, our confession of faith is Jesus died on the cross for me. He demonstrated his love for me in sending Jesus. That's the wisdom and love and power of God. Ephesians 2 verse 4. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sins and transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. I love that. Friends, you're loved today. The cross tells you you're loved. I want you to go out today with that understanding. Whatever's going on in your life today, whatever's happening, whatever's surrounding you, whatever you're having to battle through as you follow Jesus, and we have to, the cross tells you this morning you're loved by him. And it changes everything about your future because the love of God is made perfect in you. 
See, the love of God is this consistent thing that's seen in the scriptures. The psalmist in Psalm 117, two verses says this. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love towards us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Isn't it great that you can know the love of God? Isn't it great that God loves you? Can you imagine having to try to convince God that he should love you? You know, we try and get people to love us, don't we? And that doesn't work. Can you imagine trying to make God convinced that you're worthy of his love? Friends, you can never do it. He can't live like that. But God chooses to love you already. He chooses to look at you with all your failure and all your issues. And he also sees in you all your potential and all the creativity that he put within you. And he says, you know what? I love you. And he says that to the most broken, destitute person in the world. And he says that to the most accomplished, prosperous person in the world. He just loves us. And he doesn't love us because of where we are. He just loves us because of who we are. Because we are his people, his creation. And the cross tells us that God loves us today. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. The message of the cross is God loves us. Number four, the cross established a new covenant. Wow. Tell you what, it's an amazing news today. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Man, this is a big story. God makes covenant, God is a covenant-making God. You read the Old Testament, you see he makes covenants with his people. He says, I will be your God, you'll be my people. But the trouble is we couldn't keep the covenant. Just like sometimes we can't keep our word. Anybody know what that feels like? You try and keep it, but it doesn't work out. You break your promises. You do stuff like that. And God made a covenant with us. And man made a covenant with God and said, you will be our God. But they sinned against him. They disobeyed him. They wouldn't listen. They did their own thing. Why? Because they were showing that actually whatever's in our hearts, we still can't live it up. We still can't live up to it. There's a flaw in us. It's called sin. It's called self-centeredness. It's called uh, rebelliousness. It's called I want to do things my way. Anybody know what that feels like? I I want to do things my way. Yeah, I know God. I know you say that to do that, but I want to do it this way. Yeah, I know God, you say that this is the way I should walk, but actually God, I want to please this way. I want you to be there when I get it wrong, Lord, but I just want to do it my way. It's, It's just sin. It's just part of our human nature. It came at the fall when Adam and Eve did the very same thing and said, yeah, I know God, but please, I want to do this. See, we all want to live our own way and not have any consequences. Hello. We want to do it our way and say, well, this is, ah, you know, it's one of the songs they used to sing at the funerals. I did it my way. Crazy, isn't it? We're all in a box going into eternity. I did it my way. Big deal. But you see, it's the heart of man. And so God said, well, this covenant that I've made isn't working. It isn't changing. It doesn't change the heart. So I know what I'll do. I'll give him a new covenant. And this is what it says uh, in the scripture. 
The days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel. This is the covenant I will make. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. You see, the new covenant is a heart covenant. It's not just a law, it's a heart. And God came and said, I want to establish a new covenant. Jesus came and said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. He said, I'm creating a new covenant, a covenant of grace. We used to sing that lovely song. The covenant of grace. That actually God has come and reached into our lives and he's brought us not into a covenant that obliges us to live in a particular way, that if we don't live in that way, we're out of the presence of God. No, the new covenant is even though I fail, the grace of God is overwhelming my life. Anybody need grace today? Anybody need to hold on to the covenant of grace? Anybody need to say, God, I know that if it was left to me, I wouldn't be able to stand in your presence today. But because of your grace, I'm going to live in the overflow of that. Because of your grace, God, I'm going to live in the truth of that. That's because the cross has established a new covenant for us. Now, I know some of you have been around a long time. You're going, yeah, I know all this, Dave. Great. Live in it. You've got to live in it. The grace of God that pours out over my life. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to live in the truth of Jesus Christ crucified for me. See, the law, John tells us, the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I want to live in the grace of God. To do that, I have to come to the cross. I have to come and say, Lord, I thank you that the covenant you've made with me is a heart covenant. It's not a law covenant. Because if it was a law covenant, I don't think I could lift my hands and worship today. I'm not sure I could come confidently today. I think there'd be all kinds of stuff between us. I think I'd be trying to please you all the time. I think I'd be having to bring an offering and sacrifice it today because I know it's in my heart. But it's a grace covenant, Lord. Therefore, I come and I pour out my life to you. And I live in the generosity of your kingdom poured out for me. And finally, the cross defeated the power of darkness. Hallelujah. It's all right to get amen. That's a a Pentecostal murmur. I'm very excited about that this morning. See, I don't know about you, but I, I think sometimes Christians need to go wild a bit more. You know, I mean, I, you know, I mean, listen to this verse. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The wisdom and power of God. Foolishness to men. Here's the thing, folks. The devil didn't see this coming. The devil thought, yeah, that didn't work out too well, did it, God? But it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And all of a sudden, the grave opened and out he came. See, the cross brought victory over death and hell. And it defeated the powers of darkness. Amen. So any power of darkness that seeks to afflict your life, guess what? It's defeated. Come on. That's not bad, is it? You know, we, we, you know, see, this is why it's important to understand. You know, sometimes we live in a world and we act as if, oh, the demonic powers of darkness are coming against me. I've got no hope. No, friends, they're defeated. 
That's what the Bible says. Jesus has triumphed over them. So if Jesus has triumphed over them, why are you going to let them win? You need to say to them, you know what, devil? It's not happening today. You know what? Thoughts that seek to overwhelm and take, take away my freedom and my peace. It's not happening today because Jesus has triumphed over you and your power. So in Jesus' name, I submit to God and I resist you and you have to flee. Why? Because it's the power of the cross has defeated the power of darkness. And so we have to live in the overflow of the cross. Why? Because Jesus has beaten every foe. Amen. There's coming a day, friends, when he's going to come back. See, see, here's the truth. You know, I, I go through this every time. Either this is true or else I'm quitting. Isn't it? If I don't believe this, friends, I'm out of here. Why would I stay another day? I mean, you're all lovely and all that, but it's Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection that keeps me here. It's Jesus and his death on the cross and resurrection that keeps me following. It's what I believe. It's foolishness to some people and it's a stumbling block to others. But to me, it is the power of God for salvation. It's changed my life and it's changed yours and it can bring hope to anybody who'll listen. And so we have to come into that place of belief and faith today. The cross defeated the powers of darkness. Since the children, Hebrews tells us, since the children have flesh and blood, he true shared in their humanity, listen, so that by his death, he may break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free all those whose lives were held in slavery by their fear. Come on. It's not a bad verse, is it? I'll wake you up on a Sunday morning. See, we have to understand it. It's the power of the cross has defeated the power of darkness. It's the power of the cross that has broken the power of the prince of this world. And this life, eternal life, is about living in the freedom from sin and its consequences into our lives. Now that you've been set free from sin, I've become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hey friends, the cross defeated darkness. And this is our message today. I don't need you to do anything with this really apart from believe it with everything you have. I don't need you to stand up and say, what a great preach. I don't really care. I just need you to grab hold of it and say, this is where I base my life. The message of the cross is foolishness to them. But to me, to I, who am being saved by what Jesus has done, it is the wisdom of God and the power of God. For God's wisdom is wiser than man's, uh, God's foolishness, it says, is wiser than God, man's intelligence. And God's weakness is stronger than man's strength says at the end of the chapter, therefore let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. I want you to hold on today, people of God. We preach Christ crucified. Listen, we are still facing the same challenges to our faith. People think we're foolish in worshipping a God that they can't see. It's a stumbling block to them. People think we're foolish in, in proclaiming that Jesus Christ's death on a cross is the salvation of the world. But to us who believe, to us who've come to know the love 
and the grace of God. To us who've come to the foot of the cross and looked at Jesus hanging there for us, it is the power of God for salvation for anybody who believes. The cross, the message of the cross, our sins are forgiven. We are reconciled to God. God loves us more than we can ever know. A new covenant of grace has been made for us. The power of hell has been defeated. So what? Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's our starting place today. I live by faith in the Son of God who was crucified for me. That's the place where we find our identity. That's the place where we start as followers. We're not following Jesus because he can fix things for us. We're not following Jesus because he can work things out. We're not following Jesus because he promises to always be with us. As true as all those things are, we're not following Jesus because he can open up a door that no man can shut. As true as that is, we're following Jesus because he died on a cross to make us saved and to give us life. I want you to remind yourself of that today. In the midst of everything that goes on in life, in the midst of the complexity of it, in the midst of the challenges of it, in the midst of all the challenges to your faith as you seek to walk with God, what is it that is your true point of reference as a follower of Jesus? It's Jesus Christ crucified for me. That's why I live. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Band, please come back. Thank you for listening this morning so patiently. So I've just tried to unpack what it means. What the crucifixion of Jesus Christ meant for us. And maybe just before we close today, we're going to come and sing a great song in a moment. But I just want us to Maybe make a moment of response. This morning, if you're here in church, maybe for the first time, maybe you've been here many times, I don't want to rush on without just taking a moment to say to you, Jesus died for you. We preach Christ crucified. That's our message today. You've come on a good day. You've heard everything that we're about. We could preach on anything here today, but it comes back down to this fact, that Jesus, the Son of God, died on a cross for the sins of the world. Will you admit that you're a sinner today? Will you understand that he calls you to follow him, to put your faith in what he did for you so that you might have life? And if that's you this morning, before we go any further, before we close our service, I just want you to give an opportunity. Say, Dave, I know I'm a sinner and I need to get right with Jesus Christ this morning. Just before we do anything else, I just want you to put your hand up and say, Dave, would you pray for me? If that's you today. Yeah, I see your hands. Thank you. Yeah, you can put them down. Thank you. Bless you. Bless you. That's the grace of God. We're not here because we have something to offer God. The only thing he's looking for is us. Not what we do, but who we are. And so as you come to him this morning, you say, I need to get right with God. Listen, God loves you today. 
And he will come into your life and teach you to follow him and to know him. And so, Lord, I just pray for those who have responded today. I pray for those who have understood maybe what you did on the cross for them today. I pray that your grace would come to their lives today. I thank you, God, that you have made a way for them to come to know the love of God. And so I pray today that you would surround these people with the love of God today. I pray that your love would come and fill their lives today with blessing and with a sense of uh, adoption, that they would know that they are children of God, that today everything changes because you've come in and that they found life and hope in who you are. I pray, God, as they follow you, as they make you the center of their lives, as they put their hope in Jesus Christ, Lord, that you would lead them. Lord, you say you'd lead us in paths of righteousness. I pray you'd lead us, Lord, Lord, to follow you and to know you. We thank you for the gift of eternal life. We pray that we would live in all of its fullness today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Now,